my earth, my fathers, my mothers, my father's fathers, my mother's mothers, my father's mothers, my mother's fathers, my father's mother's fathers, my mother's father's mothers, my father's mother's mothers, my mother's father's fathers, my father's father's mothers, my mother's mother's fathers, my father's father's fathers, and my mother's mother's mothers, and other people's fathers and mothers. Excrement. Crocuses, the large turning green every year, a week before the others. And the pastures red with uneaten sheep's placentas, and the long summer days, and the new mown hay, and the wood pigeon in the morning, and the cuckoo in the afternoon, and the corncrake in the evening, and the wasps in the jam, and the smell of the gorse, and the look of the gorse, and the apples falling, and the children walking in the dead leaves. The large turning brown a week before the others, and the chestnuts falling, and the howling winds, and the sea breaking over the pier, and the first fires, and the hooves on the road, and the consumptive postman whistling, the roses are blooming in Picardy, and the standard oil lamp, and of course the snow, and to be sure the sleet, and bless your heart, the slush, and every fourth year the February day backle, and the endless April showers, and the Crocuses and then the whole bloody business starting all over again. A turd. And if I could begin it all over again, knowing what I know now, the result would be the same. And if I could begin again a third time, knowing what I would know then, the result would be the same. And if I could begin it all over again a hundred times, knowing each time a little more than the time before, the result would always be the same. And the hundredth life is the first, and the hundred lives is one. A cat's flux. I shall soon be quite dead at last, in spite of all. Perhaps next month. Then it will be the month of April, or of May. But the year is still young. A thousand little signs tell me so. Perhaps I am wrong. Perhaps I shall survive St. John the Baptist Day, and even the 14th of July, Festival of Freedom. Indeed, I would not put it past me to pant on to the Transfiguration, not to speak of the Assumption. But I do not think so. I do not think I am wrong in saying that these rejoicings
going to talk about flying saucers. We're going to talk about them from the standpoint of reporter. Not as comedians, not as sensations. For the past three years, a large number of perfectly sane and reliable people have been involved in this flying saucer business. Even those of us who have never seen one have become involved. We read about them, talk about them, wonder about these reports of strange phenomena in the sky. So almost from the start, CBS has been following a story. We have been collecting material on flying saucer observations for many months. Checking, cross-checking, trying to track down leads, no matter how far afield they took us. This, tonight, is our report. We frankly admit that we don't know whether flying saucers actually exist. We've never seen one. We are going to bring you the facts at hand. What they add up to, well, that's for you to decide. That's up to you. It all began just a little less than three full years ago. It began in the sky over western Washington, up there in the hip pocket of the country. Early one June morning in 1947, a C-46 Marine transport with 32 Marines aboard crashed in the vicinity of Mount Rainier. An air search was immediately organized to locate the downed plane. Among the many service and private flyers who participated in this search was Mr. Kenneth Arnold, a businessman of Boise, Idaho, a veteran pilot in forest fire control work, a man with six years' experience flying over the rugged terrain in and around Mount Rainier. Yesterday morning, we spoke to Mr. Arnold over the phone. We asked him to repeat for us, in his own words, what he saw in the sky over Mount Rainier on June 24, 1947. We recorded what he said, and we're going to play it for you now. The slight beep that you will hear intermittently is required by law to let both parties of a phone conversation know they are being recorded. Here now is Mr. Kenneth Arnold. It was while I was searching for this crash that I noticed a terrific blue flag had nose my airplane. I noticed that the flag turned from a hang a very peculiar looking object that were rapidly approaching across the air at about 170 degrees. This hang of objects were nine in number. Uh, I assumed at the time they were a new formation or a new type of jet. Though I was baffled by the fact that they did not have any tails, it passed uh, almost directly in front of me, but at a distance of about 23 miles, which is not very great in the air. I judged their wingspan to be at least 100 feet across. Uh, the sighting did not particularly disturb me at the time, Except that uh, I had never seen planes of that type. Mr. Arnold, after landing, made a routine report of what he had seen to a Civil Aeronautics Administration representative. Promptly forgot the matter. Until the wheels of publicity began to turn. The floodgates. I never could understand at that time why the world got so upset about like this. These things didn't seem to be a menace. I believe they had something to do with our Army and Air Force. Different occasions, Mr. Arnold was questioned by military intelligence. They expressed doubt as to the accuracy of some of his reported observations. That's right. Now, of course, some of the reports they did take from newspapers, which did not quote properly. Now, uh, when I told the press 